Everybody ready for some word now today? Okay, let's go in our Bibles today to, uh, or go wherever you want. I'm going to go to Acts chapter 20, though. Acts, the 20th chapter. I want to continue today a series that we began last week, brand new series of messages, and I do this intentionally. I'm, I typically do not just give it a one shot and give you one message and then move on to something else. It's very important that we get established inwardly in our hearts concerning truths from God's Word so that we can be doers of the Word and not hearers only. And how many know when, you, when, you, when you're a doer of the Word, the Bible says, then you'll be blessed in what you do. And so in Acts chapter 20, uh, the text says here, verse 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the, the words of the Lord Jesus that He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is what? More blessed to give than to receive. That's the title of this new series, More Blessed. Now I imagine when you hear the word blessed, that that sparks some good thoughts. Hopefully you'll stick around while we talk about the reason why people are more blessed. You see, it's certainly blessed to receive. It is a blessing from God. And you know what? All of us are supposed to receive. We're all, we should be, for the most part, in receiving mode right now. Receiving words from the Lord, receiving direction and instruction from Him. Uh, but Jesus said that it is more blessed to give. And that's sometimes what people want to skip over. I mean, our flesh doesn't really want to hear that. We want to hear about receive. Receive. We want to hear about blessed. But let's get into more blessed. Let's hear the words and the heart of God, how, it, how to live a life that is beyond just receiving something. That is the life of blessing that is found in giving. It's, it's, it's more blessed. Okay? And so our motive for receiving really ought to be to that end, so that we can enter into a more blessed life by being involved in giving. All right, this is the nature of God, and therefore, it's the nature of us in Christ. If you've been born again, you have this same nature, that is a giving nature. And uh, I, say, I say we should just go ahead and live the blessed life. Leave sorrow, leave scarcity and lack behind. We have an opportunity to enter into something greater. For those who are, uh, who are there or partially there, there, are, there is room in, in front of us. There's space to experience more. And let me just say again, don't be concerned. Uh, we've already received the offering today. And, <laughs> and, and then there'll be no arm twisting in, in, involved in this. No, not even a request for anything. I, I want to establish our hearts in a truth long term. Not just a flash, not just a, a quick, I, I did something once and, and, and I'm going to see if this works for me. And No, no, no. We need to have our hearts instructed in the ways of righteousness and the ways of God so that His blessing can flow to us continually and unhindered. Alright? And so, we are blessed. I need to reiterate this point. We are blessed by faith. Not blessed as a result of something we've done. Not we do enough and then God will bless us. No, we are blessed by faith 
in God's goodness, in His provision, what He's already done for us. But this faith that we're talking about is not a dead faith that just has an idle belief that does nothing, but it is a living faith, living faith that acts, living faith that's, that is noticed and observed through words spoken and actions taken. It is a belief that exists where you don't have to convince someone that you believe it. You don't have to say, no, really, really, I do believe in this. They know from being around you that that faith is alive. It governs your actions. It governs what you do. Okay? And so faith for finances now is demonstrated and shown through giving. One can't say, I have faith for finances while they tightly hold on to everything in their possession. What that demonstrates, now we just want to be real honest with everyone, what that demonstrates is faith in Benjamin. It demonstrates faith in the thing, the substance, the material, not faith in God. Okay? Now I hope everybody's ready for this because I, I intend to be real plain. I intend to risk everything. Personal safety, uh, likability factor, approval ratings, uh, <laughs> to give the truth, because, uh, you know, I'm not being reelected for office, so I can tell you the truth, and, uh, and actually do some things that, that help, even though, you know, I'm running the risk that someone might not like it. Um, it takes an active trust, which is, again, giving in God to live for Him and, and, and not for yourself. One of the very well-known verses of Scripture is Matthew 6 and verse 33. Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said here, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So God has a method, has a plan for getting things to us, that's material stuff, into our lives. What's the plan? That we wouldn't seek those things, but we would seek first His kingdom. That's his strategy. That's the way that it works. And if I can adjust my priorities, get my focus on what's most important, then God can easily slide his blessings and all the things that I want and need into my life without hindrance. Now, I know some people treat giving kind of like a car rental. You know, uh, you know, there's different car rental companies and some just give what's in the budget, right? Some give until it hurts. <laughs> give till it hurts. Some just give a dollar. Um, but I think, our, I think our giving ought to be a little bit deeper than that. Louise, you like that, right? Thank you. Uh, I think our, our motive, our foundation ought to be a little bit deeper. It needs to come from a better place. And, and, and that is putting God first. This is so vital and so important. Really, we could talk the whole message today on just putting God first, but I want to I, I want to show you this in a very specific way, okay? And how I want to deal with this is I want to discuss the tithe. Everybody okay with that? Close the back doors right now. Lock them up. <laughs> I want to discuss the tithe and tell you what the Bible has to say about it, what it actually is, and how it can be a... a response of trust in God for us. It is one of the primary ways that we put God first and trust Him with our finances. 
It comes, it starts with the tithe. It is very difficult for, to agree with someone who says, Oh, I love the Lord with all my heart. God is first in all of my life and everything I do, I just live for Him. If that cannot be seen in, in their giving. When someone leaves their giving out, according to the scripture, according to the, to, to the Lord Jesus, they've left their heart out of it. Huh? It might be said that many people have been baptized, but if you looked real close, they held their wallet up above the water before they went under. Didn't they? Because God didn't get them all. I want to look at Genesis chapter 14 to begin with here today. Genesis, the 14th chapter. In this passage, we read about, the reason I'm choosing this place first, it is the first time in the Bible that we have the word tithe used. And many times, if you want to study a subject, uh, it's a good idea to see the first usage, find out what was said about it first. In Genesis 14, the context here is Abram, who later became Abraham. Abram took 300 of his trained servants, the guy was pretty wealthy, and uh, some cities around there had just been attacked and they'd been plundered, all their stuff had been taken, including Lot, who was uh, Abram's nephew. And so he said, let's get, our, let's get our crew together. He's not a nation, he's just got a lot of people. And uh, he got them together to go after and get all the stuff back, and he was successful, and he retrieved his nephew and, and, and retrieved all the goods, and, and w- it was loaded up even more. With stuff, it says here in verse 18, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. Okay? Now, Melchizedek is an interesting person in Scripture because he is likened unto Jesus. There's no record of his beginning or of his end. He's called a priest of God. There's a, there's something called a, a priesthood. After the order of Melchizedek that Jesus has, and it's everlasting, it's forever. We don't know need to go into all that, but you can see the context of, of what's happening here. Verse 19, And he blessed him, and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. And so Abram gave Melchizedek a tithe of all. Meaning, in one sense, you could say he was giving it to the Lord. Because of the type and shadow that we see here in Melchizedek, it was like he's given it to Jesus. We know in our day, I mean, no, we're still supposed to give that way. We give to an individual or a ministry. We give to different things. But our heart ought to be this way. I'm given to God. I'm given to the Lord, but I'm doing it through people. And, and he was doing this this way. Uh, so we've got this Genesis 14. Out of the blue, this word tithe comes up. Where did that come from? And if you read a few chapters later, you get into uh, uh, Abraham's grandson. His name was uh, Jacob. Now, and you can read about Jacob over in Genesis 28. That there again we see that Jacob gave a tithe to the Lord and and committed to and promised the Lord that he would get a tenth of everything that he had. 
Okay, now that, by the way, that's the meaning of both the Hebrew word, the Greek word. A tithe is a tenth. It means a tenth or ten percent. One cannot tithe twenty percent. One cannot tithe five percent because it is what it is. I mean, someone can give whatever percentage they want to, but they give, when someone says, I'm given a tithe, that is a tenth. Okay, and so we've got Abram doing it here. We've got Jacob doing it. And beyond that, we don't have much discussion about it. I mean, like, did God tell you to do this? Did you come up with this on your own? Was it Abram's deal? He just plundered these guys, got all this stuff, and he thought, hmm, what do you say, Lord, I give you 10% of it? You good with that? You know, it just says that he did it. We go back further. Did anyone before him tithe? Very possible. But we just don't have record of it. But what we see here is we don't see that God told them to do it. If He did, we don't have a record of God saying, you know, I'm honored when you give me a tenth. And you give me that first tenth. But yet we see that He did it. We see that Jacob did it. Very likely that Isaac did it. How many know we don't have a record of everything that happened? We don't have a written record of every word spoken, every event happened. There is so much beyond. We have enough to give us some information that helps us to have a relationship with God. Okay, but very likely Isaac was involved in this because that's how, where Jacob picked it up. But when it came to um, the tithe, I want you to notice that this was before God commanded it during the time of Moses and the law. When Moses went up and got the Ten Commandments and, and the hundreds of other commandments, this is well before this. So they were not doing this because it was required of them. They were, they were not required to. It wasn't a law. You must give 10% of your income. Likewise, that's not the case with us. We're not also not under that law. But I wonder who came up with it. Who came up with giving the first 10% to the Lord? Was it, was it Abraham? Did he come up with that? Or did God come up with that? Because I see once the law was, was given to, to Moses, that God included it in the law. And then it became a requirement for them. They had to do it. They had to tithe. Tithing was definitely in God's mind. But did God get it from Abraham or did Abraham get it from God? Again, I don't have an exact verse on here, but I'm going to lean towards Abraham got it from God. Because God, when he spoke up about the matter, he included it in the law. So very likely there was some discussion here. It can easily be seen in many ways. You might even kind of see this back in the Garden of Eden. When God gave him the whole thing, created this wonderful garden, but put that tree in the middle of it. He said, don't you touch that one, though. It's like, couldn't you have just left it out? <laughs> you know, put a merry-go-round in there or something? Or <laughs> But God created all of them, including the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, but no, you don't, I don't want you to have that one. You leave that one alone. And you can see the principle of giving something to God or leaving it for Him. It has always been there back to the very beginning. And then we see we come up to this place and it's called a tithe or a tenth that, that people started doing. It was obviously recognized as a holy thing, as a righteous thing, as something that would honor God. And, and so these different individuals began this, this tithing. When you come over to the New Testament, you see that Jesus also thought in percentages. 
Meaning God the Father did. Remember one day Jesus was watching as people were bringing their offerings to the Lord. He was sitting over there watching people put their, their offerings in. And he, he had noticed that there was one woman. She was a widow woman. She put in what the Bible says was two mites. So a very small amount. We might just say she, she put in a couple pennies. And he said she gave more than everyone else who was putting in their large sums of money of their great riches. And the reason was because she gave everything. She gave a 100% offering there. And so we can see that God has always viewed our giving not just in quantity, but in percentage. Everybody with me on this? That's, that's why none of us can and ought to compare our giving with each other. One person can give a million, another person can give $10, and I can't honestly tell you which one was the bigger offering, which one was the bigger gift. Because God looks at things in a different way. He's not moved by large sums. You think God's impressed with $16.4 trillion? Just to throw out a number. (laughs) See, see God's not impressed. I mean, His streets are made of gold. (laughs) We're not impressing Him with our offering, but we are with our faith. He's pleased with our faith, and that is relevant in various situations depending on where a person is at. But we see from, from Jesus that He endorsed, if you will, or, or taught us that a percentage-based giving is a, is a good thing, it's a godly thing. But let's talk for a moment about grace tithing versus law tithing. Now, I made those phrases up. You can't search those words out. But there is tithing under grace, and there is tithing under law. You see, Abraham and Jacob, those guys, they were prior to the law, so they weren't fulfilling an obligation, but they were doing something because they wanted to. It was a free will type of thing. Whereas later, the law came in, and then they were required, like I said. By the way, I'm not using a lot of tithing scriptures. Most of the tithing scriptures in the Bible are under the period of the law, uh, the law of Moses. We could use those. It would not be wrong to do so. The Apostle Paul quoted the law a lot in New Testament teaching. Uh, even though he was Mr. Grace and you're, and you're complete in Christ and all those teachings, he also quoted the Ten Commandments. He quoted other things for their application, just not teaching that someone would be righteous or accepted as a result of fulfilling them. All right, So it would be alright to do so, but many have questioned today the validity of tithing, uh, I say many, some, because they are not under law but under grace. And the thing about this is, is there is a different way to approach the same outward expression. I'm, I'm convinced that a lot of Christians, they bring their tithe to the Lord but they do so with a, from a wrong place, out of a wrong position. They do so out of a sense of duty and obligation and requirements, many times out of fear that if they don't, you know, they're condemned, they're a bad person, or something is going to fall apart and go wrong in their life. They're afraid of the curse, as opposed to uh, this grace tithing, grace giving, which comes from a place of thankfulness, of faith in God that He will supply and meet our needs. And they really have two different approaches. Look at Hebrews chapter 7 with me. Hebrews the 7th chapter. Tithing is mentioned a couple times in the, in the New Testament. One, once by Jesus, also here by Paul in, in, in Hebrews chapter 7. 
uh, some have wondered, well, how come there's not like a lot of explanation about the tithe? I know individuals have have thought that because of the lack of abundance of scriptures concerning the subject, that that is in essence doing away with it. Like it's no longer valid, we shouldn't even talk about it, we shouldn't even discuss it, let alone practice it. Uh, I don't believe that's the case. There, that, that's true with a number of subjects, including worship, including expression of worship. We don't see in the New Testament a whole lot of talk about how we to, are to express our praise and worship to the Lord. We get a lot of that from the Psalms. Uh, however, it was understood and accepted in their day as it is, as it is in ours, the necessity to worship and magnify and praise the Lord even though we're not uh, given a lot of details about that. They still existed then. They still exist today. Likewise, that is the case with the tithe. It was acknowledged. It was still practiced. It was considered to be something honorable to God. Not a, not, not a legal requirement, but like Abraham, but like Jacob and many others before, they did it by choice. They did it as an expression of faith in honoring God. In Hebrews chapter 7, The context here is that whole passage that we read from Genesis 14 about Melchizedek and about Abraham. And and then we see in verse 7 it reads, Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Now it's interesting to me that the language here is still a present tense verbiage. In other words, the tithes, people were still bringing tithes in their day. It was was presently still happening after the cross, after the grace of God had been shown. But it still talks about how there he receives them of whom it's testified that he lives. He who? Well, the type here, Melchizedek, Jesus. Melchizedek was that type. In other words, they never knew where he went. We can't find his end. And he said, Jesus is like that. This is an enduring priesthood. And we know it's testified that Jesus lives. And when we tithe and we give today, what happens? Well, the Lord receives these things. The Lord receives them from us personally. And so, here's an important point. I hope I'm not bogging you down here with a lot of... Uh, technical stuff. I want to lay this foundation so it can be clear in our hearts and we can operate by faith. But you'll read through this passage, some words that jump out at me are the word paid and the words give. Back uh, with Abraham, he gave the tithe or the tenth to Melchizedek. He didn't pay him. A lot of time, and then under the law, when they were required, they paid their tithes. They paid it. What do we think of when we hear the word paid? I think of obligation or bill. Pay it or the lights go off. Right? Pay it or God curses you. But under grace, that's not the approach we take. God's not out to get us. I'm not going to lose my position in standing with Him. I don't lose my salvation if I don't do something. I'm forever secure in Him and in this sense that I'm in Christ. I'm not in because of what I do. I'm not out because I fail to do something. Everybody with me? But many times today, I see believers practicing the tithe, but they are doing so out of a legalistic position, out of an, of an obligation position. And if I read the New Testament, here's an example, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Paul wrote here, So let each one give as he purposes in his own heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
That's why sometimes we say, if, if you're not happy about this, hold on. <laughs> Just hold on to it. Give when your heart's right. Give when you can be glad about it. But we're instructed not to give begrudgingly or of necessity. In other words, because you're obligated to do it or you're required to do it. Don't give from that position. Give knowing that Jesus paid the price for all of your sins. Give knowing that, that the grace of God, the love of God is freely shown to all of us, not contingent upon whether we pay our membership dues. If you don't pay, next time you come, your swipe is not going to work. And you're not going to be able to get in. No, I'm in. Because I'm in Him. And I'm not buying my way in every month. You're not buying, your, you're not buying God's blessings. Everybody with me? But what do we do? We don't pay Him. We give Him. We honor the Lord. We are showing our faith and confidence that He can take care of us better on 90% than we can take care of ourselves on 100%. That His blessing will envelop and invade all areas of our lives and we're not afraid, not going to back off. and We're going to let His power flow through us and to us. Now, let me tell you a story about an Old Testament story about Joshua. Alright, this is found in the book of Joshua chapter 6, but we won't take the time to read it. Many of you know the story about Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. See, God led His people Israel, brought them out of slavery, slave nation in Egypt, and was bringing them to what is called the promised land, or Canaan. It was a land of abundance. It was a land of plenty. It was a land, he said, you're going to go in there. The houses are already built. The vineyards are already planted. You're going to walk, just walk in there and enjoy life and be blessed by me. It was a place of abundance. But prior to them getting there, they were in the wilderness. And of course, their rebellion kept them there far too long. But that was a place where they were eating, uh, they were living day to day. They were basically paycheck to paycheck. Okay, It wasn't the blessing of God, it was surviving. It was not God's best. It was supposed to be a two-week period until they got into the overflowing blessings of God. But that's the way they existed, just day to day, they made it, they survived, but God was leading them somewhere better where they would have excess. See, even when God rained manna down from heaven, they weren't allowed to store it up. You couldn't keep it and have a big feast, you know, and plant. No, no, no. You eat it and the rest goes, the rest goes rotten. Okay? But when they came to Canaan's border and they came into this new land, their first obstacle was a city called Jericho. It was a mighty city with massive walls and, and, and they were to, they had to take out Jericho first. In other words, between, um, Israel and the abundant blessing that God promised them was this city. Before they could get anything else, they had to go through Jericho and deal with that situation first. Okay? And so, the way they did that is they were instructed. It's a very peculiar war strategy. But when God is telling you to do something, you just do it. They were told that the order and everything, what they were to do. But they were to march around the city once... Every day for six days. And while they, they did their march, they weren't allowed to say anything. He said, keep your mouth closed. You be silent. You be quiet. And you march around the city. And they would go around every day for six days. And they would go back to their camp, which was at a place called Gilgal. 
All right, Gilgal was a place. It, it's a word that means rolling, and, and, and the, the the reason for that is because when they they went there, uh, God said that He had r- rolled away the reproach of Egypt when they were, of course, slaves. So think about what's happening here. I want you to march around. I want want you to say a word, and then I want you to go back and remember what I did for you in Egypt. And I want you to get up, and I want you to march around your enemy, and march around this massive city and this wall, and then I want you to go back, and I want you to remember, to rehearse how I have blessed you, how, how I have taken care of you, how I have provided for you and given you victory in the past. See, many times people walk around their problems and they see them as giant, they see them as massive, and they, they start speaking. They start saying everything negative and, oh, what are we doing out here? Oh, we're crazy. Oh, this is not going to work. Oh, we're about to fall apart. Shut it. Zip it. Keep it closed up and get back and go back to the Word. Go back to the Word and see the Lord is my victory. The Lord provides my every need. The Lord supplies for my life. He is my sufficiency. And you remind yourself. And they did this six days in a row. And you remember on the seventh day, he said, going to march around seven times, going to blow the, the trumpets, and then we're going to shout. Well, what are we going to shout? How about everything you've been thinking about the last week? How about, about, how about you, uh, all these things you've been meditating on? How about the past victories? How about you say, the Lord is my deliverer and He is my victory today. He provides for me in every way. And they let loose a shout and the praises of God came out of their mouth and the walls fell flat, didn't they? The walls fell flat. They plundered that place. But something very interesting about this city, with all that God wanted to bless them with, He wanted to give them abundance in every way. He said, but you can't have anything from this city. All their gold and silver and all their clothes and all their stuff, all the fine stuff, the Lord said, you can't have any of it. And there was one guy, remember a guy named was Achan? That's why some say Achan was bacon. (laughs) Achan was a guy who disobeyed. He stole some stuff and he ended up dying as a result of it and causing all kinds of problems. But I want you to consider this. God's not lacking. He didn't need anything. He doesn't need our stuff, didn't need their stuff. But there was something about honoring Him, about putting Him first and trusting Him with everything going forward. That they had to say, when it comes to this, the first conquering here, the first defeat where we gather their possessions, I'm going to trust God with this and not take a dime for myself. Between where they were day to day and where God wanted them to be in abundance was the tithe. Between where He wants them to be was Jericho, was putting God first and honoring Him before they took care of themselves. Is everybody with me today? You see, uh, a question might arise in our minds sometimes. But I think it's a a good question. What are we going to do with the tithe? What are we going to do with it? It exists. I'm either spending it, I'm saving it, or I'm giving it. It's going somewhere. In every one of our lives, something is happening with the tithe. And you're not going to lose your your, your salvation if you do the wrong thing with it. But God, God gives us an opportunity to trust Him with it. 
And to make Him our source. To make Him our supply. To give Him that rightful place in our lives. It honors Him and gives Him access. It is a release of our faith. When we say, yep, the first is yours. Someone said, but I need it. No, what we need to do is stop relying upon ourselves. What we need to do is stop making Benjamin God and stop make, start making God God. We, we need to honor Him. This is what's necessary in, 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 our, in our lives today. Praise the Lord. Everybody with me so far? Okay. So someone said, well, I see that, but what if I can't afford it? I mean, again, honestly, a number of people have come up to me in, in different times over the years. They said, I, I would like to, to give, I would like to tithe, but... I mean, literally, I just, end of the week, end of the month, there's nothing there. Okay, Here, here's the deal. I don't jump on that person and say, we just do it anyway. Now watch. So I know some of you think, well, you should say that. I come at this from a different perspective. I believe this is the grace of God. You need to walk around your problem for a while and shut up. And you need to meditate on the word and promises of God. I'm not interested in just getting someone to comply, just getting someone to act a certain way outwardly, but meditate on the words of God, His promises. He said He'd provide your need. He said He'd give you what you ask. He said He'd supply for your life and take care of you. Take some time and think about it and meditate on it and talk to Him and thank Him for it, that it's true again and again, and again, if you need to pile up the bills on the table and do your own little Jericho march. <laughs> you know, you take care, and you do it, and go back and say, thank you, Lord, this is what you said it in your word. You said it in your word that I'd be fine. You said it in your word that I'd be provided for, that you would meet my need. That Jesus became a curse for me. That he took poverty so I could be supplied. So I could be made rich. I thank you for it, Lord. Huh? And you march around, and when your heart is full, go ahead and shout. Not because of what you see, because of what God said, because of what you believe. Go ahead and shout. You are my victory, and you are my supply. I trust in you today. Come on now. Now, out of this place, you're ready to act. You're ready to act. You're ready to honor God and give Him His first and give Him your best. And you're ready to trust Him, not just comply with a, an obligation. You're ready to trust Him with this. And watch, I mean, the testimonies I have heard over the years when someone takes that step of faith. I mean, think about it. Under the Old Testament law, God promised to open the windows of heaven and pour them out a blessing so much so that they couldn't contain it. How much more for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who are sins have been washed away not just covered by a sacrifice we are in him and let the blessings flow I know someone might think well I believe we're blessed just because we're in Christ I totally agree with that but we've got to access this everything provided by grace must be accessed by faith and our faith needs a release who came up with the tenth it's a God idea even though we're not under law and we can step forth and, and exercise our faith in God. It's the foundation or the beginning of our giving. Amen. Now, everybody okay? Let me finish up. i got a lot to say, but we'll be back. 
Someone said, well, if I'm just, if, if that's not something I've been involved with in the past, would it be okay? Should I start off with like 2% and, and then work my way up to 3% and 4% and 5% and eventually get there? Well, yeah, you should do that if you want to rely upon your great budgeting, accounting skills, all of the strength that you have. But if you want to get God involved, you must take a step of faith. Must take a step of faith. And so we can look to ourselves and look naturally at this and figure out a way to do it, or we can meditate on it until it's settled in our hearts, until we know God's play and God's uh, desire and will for our lives, and take a step of faith and see Him show up. I don't know about you, I'm interested in having, in having God be on the scene. I don't want to just talk about God, how He's great and how He's worthy of my praise. And I, I give Him all my time and I talk about Him, but when it comes to my, my finances and my bills and stuff, He's distant. I'm just trying to figure this out just like the next guy. Mmm, that kind of bugs me. God who's on the throne and yet my life is just like someone who doesn't even know Him? No, sirree, Bob. I'm gonna, I, I say sink or swim. I say I'm going all in and I'm going to trust Him with my first and with my best and He's going to show up. Period. And I tell you what, just like He has done so many times before, He does for us today. Amen. I believe our giving begins with a step of faith. It begins with a tithe and not a tip. It begins with stepping out there and letting God show up and show Himself strong in our lives. Amen.